The following program is underwritten in part by World's Best Cat Litter. You love your cat, but you don't love the litter box mess. Switch to World's Best Cat Litter and get a cleaner litter box with less hassle and less litter. Find it at Target, Walmart, and in your local grocery and pet stores. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, it's uh, three shopping weeks. Is that correct? Yeah, that's about three shopping weeks, I'm size 15 Me neither. Neck. Size 15 neck, yeah. Let me put my hands around your size 15 neck. <laughs> ah, the holidays. Yeah, it brings out the best in people. It really does. <laughs> Listen up, today we're going to talk to a lady who has a capy, capybara. How do you say this? Capybara? Capybara. I think so. I think that's the way you capybara, pronounce it. Capybara, yeah. Capybara? Okay. Capybara. Like Yogi Bera, Capybara. And this is a uh, very big rodent. And actually, is there's a fad now. People are starting to make these their pets. And I believe you can own them in Texas. I believe you can own them in Nevada, although I'm not sure on that. Probably. Yes, yes. we actually we have one that comes to our, our hospital. So, yes. You do? Mm-hmm. So you actually treat one of these uh, big rodents. Yes, yes. They kind of look like a, a supersized guinea pig. That's kind of how I describe them, but more kind of the size of a, like a pot belly pig. Wow. <laughs> they are the cutest. Yeah. Did they have a, an odor on, about them like a ferret does? Do they have a distinct <laughs> odor? You know, I, this one that came in, another doctor treated, so I didn't get terribly close to her or uh, him, um, but, uh, you know, there's a little bit of an odor with most of these guys, but it's not, uh, I don't know which are specifically like a ferret odor kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. ferrets, real strong odor. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I guess I can't say. I don't spend a lot of close, intimate time with them. Oh, they're big chewers, <laughs> I understand. They'll chew yes. just about oh. everything. And here's the deal. I guess they're from South America. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, they're from South America. Uh-huh. So do they, do they have trouble living here? Well, they're living a, the good life, so they're being cared for people. Um, so, you know, they like to eat kind of plant matter. Um, so they're, you know, as long as you're providing for them, it's not like uh, you would let this kind of animal run unsupervised um, for a lot of reasons. One is because you have to go through a lot of hoops to get them. And so you have to ensure that you have proper housing um, and, uh, you know, that they'll be safe from predators as well as, you know, safe from escaping, you know, an enclosure or a yard. They really do look like a guinea pig on steroids. How much do they weigh? Like 100 pounds or something? They can get to about um, 100 pounds. Well, I think this oh one gosh. that we're going to be doing an interview with weighs 120 pounds. 120? Oh, Holy moly. Wow. What? A rodent that weighs... <laughs> I just did a Google search. Dogs and capybara. Our pet, the capybara. There's, there's, looks like there's a dozen at least videos here you should check out of this. But we're going to have this particular one. I believe she was one of the first people to have a capybara as a pet. As a pet. And I, I don't know if I, how I feel about that yet. I'm going to, the jury is still out. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll talk are you to not her. a fan of exotic animals that are unusual? I'm a, not a fan of animals that are out of the environment they need to live. You know, I'm not, I don't, I don't like seeing monkeys in zoos and I don't like seeing, uh, elephants in zoos in small enclosures that are, you know, you yeah, know, tigers in a house and that kind of stuff. Tigers in a house. And by the way, you have a story about that coming up, don't you? Mm-hmm. I do. <laughs> it's, it's a crazy story too. In fact, what are you working on for this hour? Um, <laughs> well, you just told everybody how. <laughs> I didn't have to say it. We're going to be talking about a, a tiger that lived in a house with several other 
uh, more than several actually, close to a dozen other animals that are best wild in our opinion. We'll tell you about that. And uh, we also have a really good feature on some of the things that you will find around your house during the holidays, but may not be so good for your pet to find. Okay, that's on the way. Uh, let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Toll free, one 405 8405 Or you can ask your questions from the free animal radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. Hey, Tony. Yes, sir. I have a, a Egyptian male kitty cat. He's 14 months old, okay. and he puts me to shame. He is more intelligent than about 85% of the people who I know. <laughs> well, that would have yeah, to be typical for the mouths. They are very bright and very inquisitive. <laughs> He's got an M on his forehead. We thought for about six months he was a mancoon, but this boy has got real short, pretty, beautiful hair. He's black and gray. He's got mm-hmm. four white feet, a brown nose, an M on his forehead, and a white chest. Now, and a long tail. Now, am I describing Egyptian male? Well, not necessarily. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, we know that the Mao has a very prominent M on their forehead, but that's not just exclusive for just that breed. So really any okay. cat that has a tabby coat pattern, and, and tabby isn't a breed, so it's just kind of a coloration, but uh-huh. any cat that is a tabby can have that M, and, and it's kind of uh, just a, a distinctive thing. But I think in the mouths, you really see it's kind of stick out a little bit more. Um, well, how in the so, world did I get an Egyptian mouth out of a shoebox? Well, it, I'm, I'm going to be a little skeptical because it is a breed that is, one, it's expensive, and there's not terribly many of the registered ones. Um, it, it's it's pretty uncommon, and uh, it, so you may have maybe a mixed breed kitty that has some characteristics like that. Now, you know, the mouths kind of look like some of those other cats, like the Ossicats, the, um, uh, I'm trying to say, like the Abyssinians, so where they have the kind of the spotted hair coat. Um, so that's a little bit more distinctive. If he's got white feet, I'd kind of wonder whether or not he really is a mouse because um, that isn't something typical for these guys. Okay, uh, I think, now this happened 14 months ago. I got him out of a shoebox. Now, he had two siblings, and they were uh, just white. I mean, totally mm-hmm. white. Would that mean that he he's just a, a cast off, or, or, or was there a white? <laughs> well, like I said, I think I think you're probably dealing with a kitty that's of a tabby variation, and he's got that M. But it doesn't sound to me like he's he's probably a, a full bred mouse. Um, well, that that would be internet, that would be a rarity, unless he's hanging well, out with uh, brothers and sisters that are from another mother. <laughs> Well, you look him up, if you will, after we, you know, cease to this phone call. Look up Egyptian Mao on, on your whatever iPad, iPod, BlackBerry, Cherry, whatever you got, and his picture will come up on that. And that's All the right. reason that we. That's the reason we assumed a church friend of my church brother. We looked it up about four months ago, and he he just threw out the word mancoon. I've never seen a mancoon, and, and I don't care if I ever see one. But this guy said no. According to the internet, you've got an Egyptian mouth. We assume that, you know what I'm saying? Right. Wow. And if, we, like I said, if we're basing off the M, I'd have to say that is not at all a characteristic that you can use that to exclude other cats. So, okay. Um, well, but you know, it sounds like he's got a great personality. So I'm going to say, what the I, heck? I it doesn't what, matter what kind of cat he is. I, I'm, a, I'm not a cat connoisseur, but this guy has made a very unusual person of me. He, I can say, let's load up and go. He'll jump in my you know, my vehicle, and he puts his little foot 
paw on my shoulder when I drive to let me know he's there if I need him. And at five weeks old, he knew how to, uh, you know, his little box, he was trained, and he's only about five inches long when I got him. And I, I'm just enamored, if that's a correct, you know, appropriate word to use. This little guy is just, he is so special. He weighs 14 pounds and he's 14 months. Is that the way they grow Egyptian mouths, do you know, or is that, is that about the normal growth? I mean, yeah, and again, it's not exclusive to that breed. Um, you know, you were mentioning things like the um, Maine Coon, which typically are quite large cats. So usually they're pushing up 15 to 20 pounds more likely in a healthy body weight. Um, right. So, but yeah, what and again. It, but I, they got long hair, don't they? This guy's got short hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maine Coons have long hair. Um, uh, as far as sh- there's a domestic short hair, which is short in hair. Um, the Maud typically has short hair, too, as well. Yeah. Well, since he was born and since he started traveling with me every day, seven days a week, people who see him want him. They want to touch him. They want to take him home and babysit him for a night. They want to take him home on the weekends. They bring him food. A lady brought him a Christmas present last year, you know, a pound of food, whatever. And he is just enthralled everybody who sees him. Mm-hmm. That's the reason. And I, like I say, I'm not a... A purveyor, a connoisseur of kitty cats, but I do love this little guy. And, yeah. and I think there's a lot of cats out there that really turn people that never thought that they were cat people. And you meet yeah. the right one, and it yeah. just yeah. changes your life. So um, I think we're all very fortunate if we make that encounter with a cat that uh, really well, touches us. Is there us one in that way. stipulation way that I could? In my own little finite mind, determined that he was a, a, a Egyptian male. Yeah, and um, I believe in at UC Davis, out by us, uh, one of the vet schools, you can do uh-huh. genetic testing on cats, and I'm pretty sure that they can do um, a lot of different breed identification there. Um, I'd have to check their list to see, but I think they they do a good amount of those. Let um, me ask you a question. This is not, you know, uh, off the wall, off the cuff. If I have him snipped. Is there any way they can save his future generation for me? Or is, is, is that uncommon to do? Because I don't want him to, you know, he's never seen but one other kitty cat in his young little life. And uh-huh. people want me to, they want to, they say, why don't you mate him up to a, you know, I said, no, unless it's an Egyptian male cat, I'm not going to do that to him. And I just want, yeah. can you, can you save his, you know, I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Well, there's there's different ways that you can save um, for the future. Um, yeah, the the yeah, problem yeah, with yeah, cats yeah. is if we have to collect semen, you have to collect that from a cat, and that's uh, uh, probably not real routine. Um, now, if we're talking about something like cloning, uh, that would be a different thing about uh, you know taking a sample and uh, okay, cloning yeah. for the future. Well, so I that might be the place to bank uh, bank tissue for that. Well, his personality, you know, he's got an above cat personality, and I don't know if I'm making him do. I don't know if I'm making him do the things he's doing. I mean, <laughs> he just catches on. He's 14 months old, he's 14 pounds, and he can climb a tree, and he'll come down if I call him. You know, most cats will not come down. This little mm-hmm. guy, he'll come down if I say, let's load up, we got to go for a ride. He's ready to go in the truck. He, you know, like I say, he, he came into my life at, at five weeks. He knew how to, you know, eat. He knew how to litter box. And, and you know, for me, that was he was just already ready. You know, he was a cat. <laughs> oh, this is uh, such a great story. It, it, look at the hair on my back. It's standing up just from that story. Know, I saved his uh, little life, no doubt. I'm a, I'm a single person. I don't have a family. This little guy has really been an inspiration, you know, a reason to get up every morning and look out. I hold his little face, you know, right up to mine and 
talk to him like you would a little baby. And, and he listens, you know, he, he does his own thing, but he does listen to me. Tony, thank you so much for calling today. And don't forget, you call anytime you want, okay? Thank you, sir. I surely do appreciate it. Take care. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Animal Radio. And if you're still looking for gifts to give your animals or your pet-loving friends, Judy will have her list coming up in just a couple of minutes here with uh, another two gifts as she does her countdown. And uh, we have giveaways of these gifts. Yeah, I have something for the cats and something for the dogs. And if you're thinking about a capybara, you're saying, what is that? It is a uh, an oversized rodent. As a pet, you mean? As a pet. Whoa. But when you say oversized, it doesn't, I mean... Because it, they get to like 120 pounds. It looks like... It's <laughs> enormous. I mean, my dogs aren't that big. It looks like a guinea pig. Guinea pig, like a really large guinea pig. Yeah, like 100 times bigger than a normal guinea pig. 120 times bigger. We're going to talk to a lady who owns one or the perhaps it owns her. We'll find out in just a couple of minutes uh, yeah. right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there, Lori? Well, it's the holiday time of year. People have their decorations up and everything, and there's so much that goes with the holidays. So, you know, take a look around your house. We'll be talking about how these things affect your pets. Oh, those bubble lights that you might have up? Mistletoe. Um, what to do if your pet is drinking your Christmas tree's water? And uh, poinsettias. You know, there's been something said about them for years, and I can almost guarantee that we're going to give you some news that contradicts what you've been thinking all, all this time. Oh, the poor poinsettia is so <laughs> misunderstood. It I, is. It really is. <laughs> you know what? Every year, Dr. Debbie comes in after Christmas, and she tells us a story about that tinsel and how somebody who had tinsel on the trees. I'm glad to mm-hmm. see it's, it's less and less popular than it used to be, but tinsel is one of the biggest offenders for dogs and cats. They get a little of that in their system, and it acts like a uh, like a string. You know, it's worse for the cats because it's shiny and it moves, and the cats want to attack it, and they yeah. end up ingesting it, and it can actually tie off and block their intestines. Stay away from it. Do you want to do that? We've got to cover the tickling rats. The tickling rats. Did you see that on oh the my news? God. No. Kate fell apart when she saw I, that. I, I was gonna like. Email it to you guys, and I was like, "Oh, I was traveling, and I couldn't." I didn't remember see her. Well, please that. tell me. Please yeah. tell me. They're actually tickling rats and studying um, their response, and they were giggling. You know, doing the equivalent of a rat giggle. Is that like yeah, torture? No, they they would actually go back to the fake hand that was tickling them <laughs> for more and like for more play, and then they do this kind of playful bounce. I think it's called a Freudsprung, and it's a kind of a you know a joyous kind of play activity that they do. So they knew that they weren't just you know fighting or doing something you know annoyed. They weren't annoyed by the tickling. They engaged and wanted more of it. Um, so what, yeah, it does that cool. mean that rats are ticklish? Then I guess. 
Yes, rats are ticklish, and I guess they're trying to solve those mysteries like why you can't tickle yourself, and and uh, different situations than where tickling doesn't you know doesn't work. So like if a rat or a person say is stressed or fearful of a situation, they don't respond in the normal way to tickle. You know, it, it just doesn't have that same effect. Um, so they're looking at the stress effect on tickling. Hmm. Okay. So if you have a rat, go tickle them. I had a rat as a kid. I, if I had known it was ticklish, I would have uh, tickled, tickled it all the time. But you didn't like being tickled, Judy. You you thought you were going to throw up when your dad would tickle you, right? I thought that was you. Oh, I guess that was me. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 w- I was the one who actually, I would pee my pants when my, oh, yes. <laughs> when yes. my family members would tickle my feet. I, I just lost control. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the truth comes out. I love the honesty here. Yes. <laughs> Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Simro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Reasons Mutts Are the Best. We just celebrated National Mutt Day. And for those of you who aren't aware of what a mutt is, it's a dog that's mixed between two or more breeds of dogs. And I know that some of you out there may be saying, well, Rob, isn't that what most dogs are at this point? Well, yes and no. Certainly, we have seen a lot of mixed breeding and breeding in the wild that has greatly increased the mutt population. Still, I know my AKC loyalists are out there screaming at the radio that pure breeds are certainly not mutts, Robert. And I'll concur. So you can stop yelling at the radio and just listen to why mutts are the best. To begin with, mutts are awesome because they're unique. Each one has something different and unique about them. It may be their coloring, their physical traits, their behavioral tendencies, or something as simple as they look like this breed but are actually more of that breed. Mutts are everywhere, and each one brings something different to their family. Their looks are also something that makes most of us stop and say, Ooh, what kind of dog is that? Or, He's so cute, she's so adorable, or I have never seen a dog like that. What kind of breed is that? Only to be told that it's a mix of this and that, and a little bit of so-and-so, and probably, or, I love hearing this these days, I don't know because we rescued the dog, but they think this. You know, one of the fun things to do these days is to do a DNA test on your dog to see what breeds they're made up of. I did that, and while I must admit I was surprised and even a bit skeptical of some of the results, there was information in the results that made me go, ah, that's where that habit or look comes from. Mixed breeds often have a blending, or in many cases, a calming of their two main traits. So quite often, you'll see a mutt and be surprised that even though it looks like a purebred this or that, it acts differently. It's not surprising when you think of the mixing that is being done with the popular trend these days of designer dogs. These dogs are being intentionally bred to mix and highlight certain desirable traits together to create a designer breed or a designer mutt. Speaking of designer breeds, mutts also don't carry the upfront price tag that a purebred does. In fact, the shelters are full of incredible mixed breed mutts just waiting to prove to you that a mutt is the best you can get. Which brings me to the fact that a mutt is what most of us are. Thus, we're perfect for each other. When I asked about my heritage and background, it sounded like what I've heard when describing mutts. We're a little bit of this mixed with a lot of that and topped off with just the right amount of, that's right, I'm a mutt and I'm proud of it. If you're looking for a dog that can adapt and be the best of many things, a mutt may certainly be the answer for you. Share your mutt stories on our Animal Radio Facebook page. This is Animal Radio. 
all dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. A 34-year-old Houston, Texas woman who had a fully grown male tiger and three tiger cubs just <laughs> roaming around free inside her home oh has now been charged with child endangerment in a case that's caught a lot of publicity. Well, apparently the woman allowed the four tigers plus a fox, a cougar, a skunk, and several <laughs> monkeys to roam freely in her house wow. around her 14-year-old daughter, whom she homeschooled. Wow. The landlord kicked the woman out of the home after police notified him of what was going on inside there. He said that she had only lived there for three weeks. Apparently, he didn't check her references, but he had no clue that someone could do that amount of damage to a home in that short amount of time. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, isn't that amazing? Her name is is Trisha Meyer. She was arrested earlier this month in Nevada, which she must have done her research because that's where she fled to, Las Vegas, with all of her exotic animals. And, of course, we know that Las Vegas or Nevada has pretty lax rules when it comes to exotics. Sure they do. Poor landlord. Yeah. I I mean, I haven't seen a picture of the the house, but... um, Hmm. She wouldn't have gotten by my dad as a landlord. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough the one. The poinsettia. Huh? You guys know poinsettias. Yep. Big red flowers that we see, you know, with the pointy petals at Christmas time every year. It is the most popular flowering potted plant for indoors, but it's apparently gotten a bum rap for a number of years, according to Dr. Leonard Perry who is a horticulture professor at the University of Vermont, he writes that poinsettias have been falsely accused of being poisonous, even though no deaths from the plant have ever been factually recorded. In fact, research studies at Ohio State University have proven that poinsettias present no real health hazard. But apparently those rumors stem from what's called a highly questionable report of a single fatality in Hawaii more than 80 years ago. That report of a child who reportedly died after eating one leaf from the plant. But like they said, it's a highly questionable report Mm -hmm. and no deaths have been recorded. So research shows that if ingested by pets or humans, that poinsettias can irritate the mouth and the stomach and sometimes results in you getting or your pet getting diarrhea and vomiting. And also that white milky sap of the plant may cause blistering similar to poison ivy on contact for some people unless it's washed off right away. But uh, other indoor holiday plant favorites that pets like to dig in in their pots, well, those include amaryllis, cyclamen, hyacinth, and daffodils. And pets should be kept away from those because the bulbs of those plants are poisonous. Also remember that um, large amounts of mistletoe 
can be highly toxic to your pets, causing gastrointestinal upset and even heart arrhythmias. But plants, they say, are not the only flashing red light for pets that, you know, you have to be aware of and concerned about. Holiday decorations can also draw the wrong kind of pet attention. For example, bubble lights. Those bubble lights contain poisonous chemicals. Methylene chloride is the chemical in them that can result in gastrointestinal problems, maybe even pneumonia and irritation to the eyes and skin. Tinsel, of course, we've long known, can be deadly. And eating tinsel or ribbon for your pet can cause serious damage to the intestine. And pets quickly become ill. Some of their signs, including vomiting, diarrhea, belly pain, and sometimes a fever, And then surgery is required to remove what they call those linear foreign bodies, long and skinny, that can't get through the intestine because they're windy and they can't pass on their own. Cats and dogs aren't necessarily objective also as to where they get their drinking water, even though they have a water bowl sitting right over there. There's just uh, something enticing about the possibility of a new water source. So if you normally add chemicals to the water, you know, those chemicals that are meant to keep your tree fresh, Scrap that plan. What you may not know is that many such fresheners like that contain aspirin or other NSAIDs, which can kill a pet. So don't take a chance there. And besides, you really don't have to worry about it. Tree experts say fresh water is the absolute best thing to keep your tree hydrated and keep it from dropping its needles and becoming a fire hazard. That reminds me of that movie, Christmas Vacation. Don't worry, Clark. A little tree water ain't going to hurt the dog. (laughs) You guys remember that? Yeah. So we have to stay away from the mistletoe. I mean, that's for humans and dogs because apparently they cause the same side effects. What were those side effects again? Mistletoe can, uh, the big problem with mistletoe, of course, you know, the traditional gastrointestinal upset, but can cause heart dysrhythmias. Heart that same thing with humans. I'm Lori Brooks. (laughs) Get more breaking animal news anytime at animalradio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hi, this is Elaine Boozer on Animal Radio. Stay new to your pets and some of your exes. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio. We'll head back to the phones in just a couple of seconds here. Toll free at 1-866-405-8405 for Dr. Debbie or dog father Joey Volani. But first, we're going to visit with Stacy Grissom from Bark Post. Hi, Stacy. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Splendid. Thanks very much. Well, you guys have a brand new book out. And for those of you that don't know much about Bark Post, you should sign up for their daily emails. That's how I've, <laughs> I've found out about you, which includes all oh, kinds of you. great, fun variety of stuff about dogs. And now you have a book to celebrate it. And this didn't this all start with the bark box? 
Yeah, so the whole company started with uh, BarkBox, but we recognized that, you know, dog toys and treats aren't the biggest way that people connect with dogs. We all want to share our stories and talk about our dogs with each other. And the Bark Post started out of that, and we were a website and an email email newsletter, and now we have a book. It's organically grown into almost something different. Yeah, completely. But, you know, that's how a lot of the good stuff in life starts, I think. Tell us about the book, because we're going to have a couple of giveaways in just a couple of seconds here. This would make a great Christmas gift. Yeah, so um, the bar- the first Bark book that we've come out with is called Dogs and Their People, and it's celebrating uh, life with a four-legged love, and it's all of these different photos, stories, tiny essays, um, little funny, like, uh, marginalia. I kind of been calling it like a textbook that celebrates loving a dog. Um, so we just, you know, tell a ton of different stories about like all of us couch snuggling, belly scratching, snout kissing humans who share our lives with dogs. Have you noticed that we'll do some pretty crazy things for our dogs? <laughs> uh, myself included. Yes, <laughs> we definitely do. Some of my favorite stories, um, because I, I think that like dogs capture a range of like uh, of things in our life and it can be everything from like dogs helping you get through depression or like a death of a loved one to also you know they just make us laugh and they're kind of gassy and they're just you know <laughs> little buttheads who just you know make us giggle so there's a huge range of what dogs dogs do for us and that's what we try to capture with all these stories I would imagine that the Bark Post offices are dog-friendly. Very much so. I'm sitting looking at an eight-year-old geriatric pug staring at me across the office right now. They're a muse, I'm sure. My dog is named Tim, and she is a two-year-old total mutt that I adopted about a year and a half ago. Um, And, you know, she goes running with me. She, You know, the best part about her is every morning when I wake up, um, even if it's February and it's depressing outside, she's just so excited to live another day of life and you know she just makes life better that way she's just a simple dog she's not one of the famous ones (laughs) what would you say that you do that really really spoils her that's someone else who doesn't understand animals might think is kind of peculiar (laughs) um well i take her to work every day and she rides to work in a tote bag on the subway i live in new york (laughs) oh wow Um, uh, yeah i mean she kind of is my little shadow so i don't i don't know if most people are as lucky to bring their dog with them everywhere. Yeah. Is that legal to have dogs on the subway? They have to be able to fit in a tote bag. So, or like <laughs> they have to be able to fit in a bag. So people are creative. I've seen like an 80 pound pit bull in a bag with like legs cut out for it. So, uh, <laughs> New Yorkers are resourceful. <laughs> yes, they certainly are. Well, you know, everybody has a story about their animal and you've collected a bunch of great stories for the book. The book is called Dogs and Their People, Photos and Stories of Life with a Four-Legged Love. We have 10 copies to give away of Dogs and Their People. If you want to pick up on it right now, toll-free 1-866-405-8405. If you can't get through, head on over to Amazon or your local bookstore and ask for Dogs and Their People. And this is from the people that make Bark Post. And if you haven't subscribed to that, we'll put a link over at AnimalRadio.com so you can go right there and subscribe. Thanks so much, Stacy. Thank you. This healthy serving of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats, always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Learn more over at redbarninc.com, and thank you so much, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. 
Hi, this is Paul Reiser, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Every minute you're here, you're not harming someone else. I don't know what that means. <laughs> if it's usable, use it. Otherwise, cut it and get out. I am the family dog, and it's that time of year again. The one where pet parents start looking for Fido-friendly hotels and destinations where Fido is welcome. Make no bones about it. Pets are part of the family, and we like to sniff out new places, too. And we hate to be turned away, especially when we're on our best behavior. So we won't be left out in the cold. Be sure to pick up a copy of Fido-friendly magazine to find the best hotels and destinations where Fido is always welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and subscribe today. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, Marlene. Hi. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's going on? I got the whole Dream Team here for you. Well, with my dog? Yeah, well, if you want to tell me about your personal <laughs> life, that's okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say, well, I just got in from the golf course, giving a lesson, and it's cold but beautiful. I hope it's pretty where y'all are. Where are you? You're in Atlanta, aren't you? Uh, no, we're we're in uh, we're all over, but where are you? I'm in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Fayetteville, North Carolina. Good golfing weather today, huh? It, it, well, it really is. It's kind of cool, but there's no wind and sun's out. It's beautiful. What's it, going on with your animals? Well, I have a cocker spaniel, and she's 12 and a half, and I've had four of them, and I've never had a cocker make it past 10. And she's got Cushing's disease, they think. Okay. About a year ago, the last time she was at the vet, or one of the times, they said that they thought she had that because she just starves all the time, can't drink enough water. Her belly's distended on both sides. But she is so petrified of the vet, which she went today, and they took blood because she's on thyroid medicine, which is the only medicine she's on. But um, I wondered if there was any way that the doctor might know some way to curb her appetite without going through the regimen of finding out for sure if she has Cushing's because they said that it might take four or five months. She has to go in for blood work twice a week. Mm -hmm. And she almost dies from a heart attack just to go every six months. So I couldn't go through that with her. And she's mm -hmm. already lived past cocker's ages so my question was about cushing's diseases in okay. dogs all righty well I, and one thing as far as the lifespan of cocker spaniels in my practice I, I would have to say i see them into the the young teens so i would say 12 to 14 is kind of more typical at least in my experience really um, yeah, but it, certainly they get their host of problems, just like any other dogs. As you've seen yeah. with thyroid problems, it's very manageable. Uh -huh. Cushing's disease um, is a, and I'm just going to give a little refresher for those that may not be familiar with this disease. It's a hormone disease involving the adrenal glands and the body producing too much cortisol hormone. Right. Um, and the, the signs of that in dogs will be um, an excessive appetite, drinking a lot, peeing a lot, we get kind of a thinning of the abdominal muscles, but weight gain in the belly, so they get this kind of pot belly look. Exactly. Some dogs will get some hair loss patterns or even calcium deposits in the skin. And um, panting is another thing. You got it all. I'd have to say, <laughs> no? No you panting? Got it all. Every oh, she does that. have it all. Okay. Loss yeah. of hair, everything. 
Yeah. So those are some of the things that, that make us think of that. And then as a veterinarian, when we're doing, say, maybe regular blood work for other purposes, um, a lot of dogs with Cushing's tend to have a couple things on, on lab work. One is that they have a high liver value called the ALP, the alkaline phosphatase. Um, so that can be one marker that we look at. It doesn't mean they have Cushing's, but if we see that with symptoms, we think, ooh, this is a dog we need to look at. The other thing on lab work that they'll have is um, they'll be prone to urinary infections. And at the time, actually, that I diagnosed Cushing's patients, about half of them will actually have some form of a urinary tract infection. So it's also something that we need to address, and it can kind of marks it for us. Mm-hmm. So the problem is, and in your question, I guess, is that it, it is a challenging disease to diagnose because it's not just a one test you're done and over with. Um, a lot of the hormone tests that we use to diagnose this condition, um, it's, it, there's shades of gray. So there's not always like a black and white answer. So we often right. have to do multiple tests, and those might be some of the hormone tests that we call either the ACHH, ACTH stimulation test, the dexamethasone suppression tests, even ultrasound. So those are kind of the more common things to diagnose it. And then once we do get a diagnosis, they have to come in regularly for blood work as we're monitoring them. Right. So um, it's a tough disease to simplify. And for a pet that doesn't like going to the vet, this would be a tough one because it does mean if I could diagnose your dog right now, in 10 days I'm going to have to see her back after we start medication because it is it is very serious um, how we treat it. And it isn't a medicine like the thyroid disease that we kind of say, oh, no big deal. It's pretty well tolerated. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you have to kind of decide that for yourself if it's something you're prepared to to take those steps um, for. Right. And she is uh, blind, totally blind in one eye and only sees a little out of the other eye. Um, she's totally deaf and her back hip, a little bit of it's from the weight, but she's, and she's totally mine. I, I go nowhere without her. She goes in the golf cart or the car, but so I'm thinking at this age, I don't think I could put her, I mean, I'm pretty sure I cannot put her through all this blood work going all the time because she, mm-hmm. she just panics. She just, but anyway, I was just wondering if there's any way, is there anything that helped curb this appetite that she will Not eat? Not necessarily. No. Nothing that's going to be symptomatic for appetite alone. Um, you know, there's, there's other things that, you know, I've used to treat Cushing's disease symptomatically, and there's a drug called Selegiline, um, which, um, can help some pets, um, not all pets, but it's more for the clinical symptoms related to the Cushing's disease. Um, so that might be one thing you can consider, but I, I can't say that it specifically is going to suppress her appetite. Um, and then you did bring up one thing that I, I think we do need to mention and talk about a little bit is pets with Cushing's disease have weakness. They also have um, a tendency towards ligamentous injury. So oh. as the as the disease is affecting their body, it causes some weakness or instability of the ligament. So yes, they are very prone. And a lot of dogs with Cushing dis- Cushing's disease, I actually do see where they'll rupture their cruciate ligaments in their knee, mm-hmm. um, or they'll they'll injure themselves in some other way because they don't have the normal. Um, defenses and ability to heal, kind of like a diabetic person, you know, doesn't always heal well if they get a cut or an infection. Um, right. So Cushing's patients are definitely special that way. 
Oh, Marlene, thank you so much for your call. Um, this is a very important topic. I do see a lot of pets with Cushing's disease, so um, we appreciate you bringing this to light and us talking about it today. Toll-free 1-866-405-8405 to reach out to the Dream Team or ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. In winter, you can practically hear your skin changing. Drying out, flaking, tightening, becoming itchy, irritated, and inflamed. You need the fast relief of Cortisone 10 Intensive Healing Anti-Itch Cream. Unlike regular lotions, Cortisone 10 relieves itch and irritation with 1% hydrocortisone, the strongest non-prescription itch medicine, plus seven healing moisturizers. With Cortisone 10, winter can just sound fun again. Cortisone 10. Feel the heal. Use as directed. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. Well, if you just tuned in, better late than never. This hour, another stupendous hour. This hour, we will visit with Jackie Coleman-Wren. She is the guardian of Chico, the capybara. Do you know what a capybara is yet? No, not really. It's just a oversized... What did you say, hamster? Guinea pig? Guinea pig? Guinea hamster. pig. Hamster. Guinea pig. <laughs> it, it has that little, uh, little buck teeth little thing happening. Yeah, or, or like a big gopher. A gopher. That's what I was thinking. It looks like a really, yes, really big it? gopher. Oh, it does. Now that you say that. Yep. 120 pound gopher. <laughs> uh, lives with Jackie Coleman Wren. Has an amazing social media page with all kinds of uh, videos and pictures. Apparently, these animals are from south of the border, huh. and maybe south of several borders. Yeah, south way. You know, they south. had some um, that invaded. Uh, what was it? The golf course uh, in Brazil during the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, that's where yeah. they're from. Yeah. I guess they're from South America. So I'm just wondering why somebody here has one of these animals. I mean, it, it seems like. They wouldn't be able to live here in North America if they're they're not found in North America. But we'll find yeah. out. We're going to ask her where she got her capybara and whether or not she likes living with a capybara. And this, hmm. More and more people are having very exotic pets. Yep. So before we go to the phones to answer your questions for this hour. Oh, by the way, I wanted to tell you we're going to have giveaways in a few minutes of gifts from Judy's Christmas holiday Judy Claus. Hani- Hanukkah <laughs> holiday list. Judy Claus will have her list. And uh, she will have giveaways from the list coming up in just a few minutes. What are you working on over there, Lori? Well, the Howls. Since the Howls, Judy okay. has her own little thing, the Howls. <laughs> uh, the Humane Awards Luncheon. Big deal for animals. And uh, the awards were given out this month in New York City. And we're going to tell you about who won the big titles. Dog and Cat of the Year. Ooh, got to love it. That's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls. And uh, let's go to line four. We have Ruby on the phones. Hi, Ruby. Hi. How are you? Where are you calling from today? Um, I'm great. From um, California. Okay. Well, I have the whole dream team here to answer your questions. What's on your mind? Fantastic. I have a crazy cat. (laughs) I have have a very beautiful three-year-old, almost a three-year-old cat who sprays um, in the house. Okay. It seems like it it sprays when it gets excited, uh, and it's usually towards me, towards my bed or where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So, and um, I know it's a behavior thing. We gave him a way for a month to change the behavior, and he didn't pee in our friend's house at all. Okay. And then as soon as we brought him back home, he pees again. And okay. it seems like it's getting every day now. Oh, boy. Okay. And he, you said he's three years old. He's neutered? Yes. Okay. And is he the only cat in the house? Yes. I have a cat there- and a dog. Okay. And are there other cats in the neighborhood nearby, or is he pretty much an inside kitty? No, he's in and out, and they're, they're, it doesn't seem like we have any cats around us. Okay. All right. Well, you are right. And what you're describing is um, certainly sounds like it's more urine marking, which is a territorial behavior. Um, so th- the difference is with with inappropriate urination, when a cat urinates out of the box and we think, oh gosh, is it an accident? Is it a medical problem? Some of the things we look at to help determine that. One mm-hmm. with urine marking is that cats tend to spray um, in more vertical arrangements. Um, they mm-hmm. also tend to go towards um, the owner's belongings, beds, uh, laundry. Um, and, and they also tend to poop in the box fine, but the urine um, may sometimes happen in the urine on the litter box and may not always. So so those are some of the characteristics we look at when we say, okay, this is really more of a behavioral problem. Um, the challenge is that we really, something in your home, there's stressors there. When cats do this, um, they feel the need to mark their territory, just like a, you know, a graffiti tagger going out and saying, hey, this is my uh, my territory. And that's what he's doing. He's communicating with that. It's not anything spiteful, but yet he's feeling the need to do this. So what we really need to do is look in the home environment and decide what it is. Is it the dog? Is it the house? Um, are there outdoor cats nearby? Is there something in the environment that's unfavorable for him that's making him feel insecure that he has to say, hey, this is where I live? Um, so that, that can be a tough thing over the phone to necessarily figure out, but I do kind of just challenge you to look around the house and in the environment. Um, if we find well, something, then we try we to change had, it. We had we, we were living in a different house, so he was peeing, again, um, all over the place and outside, and we just moved here. He stopped for two weeks. He was actually going to the little box and using the little box, and we have like three, four of them just in okay. case. He needs to do it. So he wasn't doing it until uh, our cable person came in and somehow he bumped the little box, dropped all the little. And from then on, he's continuing peeing all over the house. So what was bumped? The the little box got bumped and went all over the ground. Okay. And well, he was in it? Was Sorry? Was, did it happen while he was in it? No, no, no. It, he wasn't oh. in it. But okay. for somehow, some, for some reason, he his um, behavior restarted. Okay. All right. So a co- weeks was using the little box very nicely. Okay. So a couple things that I'm going to ask you to do is that in the environment, um, I like the idea that you've offered alternate litter box sites. It's very important. But I also want to make sure that we give him other things that are very important to cats. So they like to perch. They like to get to high places, and they like to hide. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like you to duplicate and add more um, cat trees, window um, hammocks or seats, um, mm-hmm. things that he can kind of get into and on top of. A cat that is up high feels safe and secure and is going to have um, a much happier uh, domain. Um, mm-hmm. The other things that I'm going to ask you to do are going to involve um, the areas where he is going and that you don't want him to go. So you mentioned he was going on the bed. Is that correct? 
on the corner of the bed, and now he's doing on the corner of the couch okay. in the living room. So when we're dealing with corners of objects, what I like to do is actually take um, aluminum foil and dangle mm-hmm. long sheets of that and secure that in some fashion to your couch um, or to the side of your bed. And the idea is when a cat urinates against aluminum foil, it makes that tinny sound, which they don't like. So it's mm-hmm. a very um, kind of gentle way of using a deterrent there. The other thing that I am a big fan of, whether you have to put it on beds um, or on just carpeted areas or just areas where the cat might pass that you don't want them to go, that that's just a high urine site. We're going to take um, those plastic carpet runners, turn them upside down. They've got those little kind of pokey things. And we're going to put those in the area just to make it a little less appealing for him to go in that area. Um, and then some other things we can use like citrus sprays and so forth. Um, those, those can be helpful. But the thing I'll tell you is that all these things environmentally for a cat that's spraying, some will work all by themselves. Other cases, in the vast majority of cats that are urine marking, they do require some help with drug therapy. And this is where you'll have to work with your veterinarian. Um, they may want to check a urine test just to make sure things are truly okay before they go down that road. Unless we have something clearly that's been changed or um, added to the home environment that's distressing the cat, we really mm-hmm. need to get into drug therapy. So to get the best success, um, you know, that's where I would really recommend you you look at going. Yeah, we have used that um, um, band that goes around the neck. Uh, mm-hmm. for the scent. Apparently the scent helps them out. We have used mm-hmm. that. Um, I didn't like it. It makes him look like a zombie. Yeah. <laughs> he can't well. And his eyes popped out. So it's kind of... Um, I'm not sure which one you're referring to, because pheromones really are not sedative in nature. Um, so uh, I, I'm not really sure that uh, you may be using the right type of product, but a pheromone collar or a pheromone diffuser That's can be helpful. Collar. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, well, just to make sure there's not other components in there, whether there's any kind of essential oils or anything that he could be having an adverse reaction to. And pheromones are not drugs, so let me point that out. That's a natural remedy. It's a great thing to try, but what I'm advocating is, you know, talk to your veterinarian about getting on some form of either a pill or a liquid um, to help manage the behavior. Very important. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you okay. very much. Good luck. Thanks for your call, Ruby. Have a great day. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. It's Alan Cable. You know, you can train your dog to do almost anything. You probably heard that story of the guy who trained the dogs to drive a car in Australia. What a good boy. Pebble here knows how to ring a doorbell. What a good boy. His owner invented this doggy doorbell that's easy for a dog to push on so that Pebble could let everybody know when he needs to go out. You can put a treat inside the space. That's pretty darn smart because that would get Pebble to jump up and push on it anyway. That's how the guy in Australia taught his dogs one step at a time how to drive a car. You could do the same thing with a cowbell on your door to train your dog to let you know when he needs to go outside or wants to go outside. You know, instead of scratching on the door or being destructive. You start by getting your dog ready to learn. You want your dog to be in a calm state of mind, not all excited and agitated. They can't learn when they're like that. You can actually use treats to mellow your dog out, too. You can use treats and rewards for everything. But the best way to calm your dog is to tire him out before you try to train him. Make him run. Time to your bicycle and take a ride. Take a jog. Take a long, brisk walk. Play some fetch with a ball or his favorite toy if he likes to chase and bring things back. You're actually training him when you play with him. When he brings it back to you, you give him a treat. Say good 
good boy. Once he's tired out, bring him in the house. Put him in his crate for about 15, 20 minutes. Then calmly take him out, and he'll be ready to pay attention and learn. Now remember, you want to teach your dog one thing at a time, and it might take a couple of days or weeks before he masters the one thing that you're trying to teach him. So if you wanted to teach him to let you know when he needs to go out by hitting the bell on the door, you would first start by getting him to actually jump up on the door. You can do this by prodding him to jump, or maybe just hold the treat against the door so that he jumps up to get it. And you'd repeat that over and over until you can get him to do it without a treat. Then maybe give him the treat after he does it, or just say good boy when he does it. You could teach your dog to turn lights on and off, even to bring you the phone. When you try to teach your dog something, look at it from his point of view and think about whether or not you're being clear in what you want him to do so that he understands remember good boy you're listening to animal radio find us at animalradio.com log on learn more this is glenn close on animal radio urging you to spay or neuter your pet if you have cats i bet you didn't realize there's a connection between common health problems in cats to the type of litter you use Ammonia forms in the litter box and can cause vomiting, diarrhea, drooling, panting, and even upper respiratory infections. You can stop this by switching to Cat's Incredible Litter. It has patented technology that stops ammonia from forming, with all profits going to help animals in need. Available now at your local pet store and Petco stores nationwide. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. You know, we often think that people from other countries judge us and critique us. Don't they? They they do. (laughs) They absolutely do. And when they think about American food, they generally think that, well, our food is fatty, oily, Junky, greasy, fried. greasy, not good for you. Yeah, I got to tell you about a couple of panda twins. These were panda twins in the uh, what zoo was this? The uh, Atlanta Zoo. Ah, uh, yeah. Have you heard about this, Lori? No, I haven't. Okay, I'll, but I'll I know Austria. I think had some twins. Well, the couple were born here, and they've returned home to China. That's what the deal. They were born here. We've given them back to China. And they've gone home, and there's just one small problem. Uh Uh-oh. And that is that... They're obese. Well, they don't like the food. They don't like the bamboo. (laughs) They don't like the apples. They don't... Everything has to be mixed with crackers. Because apparently... American crackers. American crackers uh, apparently were their big food here. I'm surprised that we were feeding them crackers. Yeah. I'm a little shy. I feel like the bad parent. (laughs) Uh, and now they're they're hooked on it, and they won't eat anything else, huh? And, and apparently everything has to be mixed with crackers. Now. That's funny. And also, they prefer English to Chinese. That's they don't understand the language? Apparently they were not taught <laughs> Chinese when they were here. They were only mm-hmm. taught English. So uh, That's going to be new stipulations out. If we get any more pandas from China, we got to speak Chinese and quit, stay away you know, from the crackers. I don't They'll think- probably send somebody because that program is highly regulated. So. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There you go. What are you working on this hour? Well, there are um, some personality tests being done. And don't we, you know, it's, it's so fun to take those things. Sure. If they tell you something interesting. <laughs> so, you know, we know all about personalities and, and pets, but what about... Oh, you what do you want to say? Personality disorders like narcissism? Like what kind of a pet is a narcissist most likely to have? Really? There's actually yeah, recently. <laughs> and apparently there's two different kinds of narcissism. I didn't know that. There's 
vulnerable narcissism and grandiose narcissism, which is kind of what, you know, what we typically think of as a narcissistic behavior. But the vulnerable is somebody who's a little more passive aggressive, you know. Mm. I would imagine they would have exotic animals. You would think they want to be noticed and stand out in a crowd. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they want an animal that doesn't stand out, so they shine. Ah, we'll find out in just a few minutes with Miss Lori Brooks right here on Animal Radio. But let's go to the phones for your calls right now. Toll free, one 866 404 Hi, Delilah. How are you doing? Hi, I'm doing great. Where are you calling from today? San Antonio, Texas. Mm, Beautiful Texas. Well, what's up? I have Dr. Debbie right here. Um, I have a question. I have three boxers, and South Texas allergy season is here. Um, I have uh, one white boxer where you can just really see her eyes red and her belly's red. Um, I do give them... um, Benadryl, uh, but mm-hmm. I was just wondering how much is too much. Uh, I take a daily, um, you know, allergy medication, but for, you know, for my, my dogs, I didn't know if, if daily was too much or, you know, I don't want to upset their stomach because um, we did kennel them while we're at work um, and then bring them out when we get home. So I didn't want to upset their stomach and then have a mess their kennel, you know, while, sure. they're, while they're home or while we're not home. Yeah. Well, this is one of the situations with Benadryl that people and animals are very different. Um, and there are a couple of medications where, you know, either humans metabolize it much, much faster or they're more sensitive. And you know what? Um, for dogs, their tolerance for Benadryl is a lot higher. So in general, we generally give about a milligram per pound of body weight. Um, so for a person, you know, we take 25 milligrams maybe. For a dog that size, we might be given 50 milligrams. Um, so it's, it's a difference in just the kind of the way the animal processes the, the medication. So you know, and d- definitely dogs will exhibit some sedation, drowsiness. Occasionally, you know, some will have vomiting or diarrhea with that. Um, but uh, generally, Benadryl is pretty well tolerated. Um, and, you know, it's something to kind of get you through that little allergy pinch there. That that might be f- totally fine. Now, you said they're, they're red in their skin. Are they all having the skin symptoms, or is it just isolated to one or two? Well, I have two brindles and my white uh, boxer. The, now, the white boxer is the one where you can tell her eyes get really red when she comes in from being outside, and, and her belly is red. Um, mm-hmm. And she, they, they all do very well with the Benadryl. I just didn't, I was worried if I give them, too much every day if that would start to, you know, if I would see some side effects or, or not. Yeah, mostly just the sedation. And you don't have to worry about like, um, like long-term side effects as far as, you know, with something like a steroid, you have to be concerned about the liver suppressing the immune system. With the Benadryl, you're not going to really get that. And, and dogs aren't going to get hooked on it, um, in any way. So that's a generally a pretty, um, safe thing. Now, I do like to use, any antihistamine for allergic pets, I like to use it in conjunction with an omega fatty acid with a fish oil supplement um, because those two can work together um, kind of in a joint method um, as an anti-inflammatory uh, for the skin to help with that itch. So um, that might be one thing if you're not doing to add that into the regimen. Um, okay. 
And then, you know, if you're not to the point where you got sores and things like that, uh, I'm definitely a fan of the colloidal oatmeal baths. Um, you can find different products on the market. But just it's a nice soothing thing you can do. Get some short-term itch relief that lasts maybe two days to three days. And you can repeat it in, in another couple of days for dogs. Um, it's just like if, if we got chicken pox and you sink down into that um, Aveeno bath, um, it, it has that same kind of uh, relief for the skin. And then, oh, my goodness, you say you have a white boxer oh, I, I have not met a white boxer that does not have skin problems so uh, lesson learned to anybody who's considering them be ready for skin problems um, just that uh, coloration they definitely are plagued with their skin itches rashes and uh, so forth <laughs> so. right right well thank you very much thank you so much for your call this is Dr. Debbie with Animal Radio we're at 1-866-405-8405 <laughs> Any Jane Doe can tell you that Geico could help you save. But since money talks, we just ask the savings instead. Greetings and sun salutations. I'm Jane's Money. And I never knew my self-worth until Jane switched her car insurance at Geico.com. Those 15 minutes built me up to real savings. Geico's been helping customers save money like me for over 75 years. So take that to the bank. And namaste. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Hi, this is Doug Gray of the Marshall Tucker Band. And forever, you'll always be listening to Animal Radio. Keep loving those pets. This is an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified fear-free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. I'm Lori Brooks. There are many studies, and we've done a lot of them, on the personalities of pet owners, but virtually nothing is known about pet owners who score high on what they call dark personality traits until this. A research team headed by a psychologist at Oakland University wanted to know how two traits narcissism and borderline personality characteristics are related to levels of attachment to both, well, traditional pets and the more exotic pets. <laughs> and among these unusual pets were mostly considered lizards and snakes, amphibians, monkeys, insects, rats, and spiders and the like. But the results, it turns out, did not turn out the way the researchers thought they would. Here's what they found after some intensive questioning and personality testing of 325 people. They found individuals scoring high in narcissism were not more likely to own exotic pets than they had anticipated that. And as a group, they said, narcissists were not less attached to their pets because they were more concerned about themselves. People with what's called vulnerable narcissism were more attached to their pets, but only if the pet was an exotic. This is pretty interesting. Mm -hmm. They said people diagnosed with what's considered grandiose narcissism, and, and that's what we usually think of when we hear the term narcissist applied to somebody. Mm -hmm. Well, grandiose narcissism patients, they were more attached to their pets, but only if the pet was a traditional companion animal like a, you know, a dog or a cat or a rabbit or a bird. Now, as predicted, participants who scored high on borderline personality traits they tended to be less attached to their pets. Really? Not so much. Wow. Yeah. 
That's interesting. Yeah, it was. Now, in general, they say participants, all in this study, were more attached to their traditional pets than exotic pets. And when they looked at the group as a whole again, they found that women were more attached to their pets than were the men in the study. Huh. Uh, Judy and I aren't surprised. (laughs) I don't know about that. I I love stories like this, you guys. Um, (laughs) You know, we're always hearing about pet food recalls and things, and, you Uh know, some things that are not so good and, you know, catastrophes happening. But this one has a twist. So we're giving hats off and kudos to Wellness Natural Pet Foods because after the catastrophic flooding in Louisiana that happened back in August, it was the result of a 500-year flood. It left parts of the states in really deep water. Well, now we find out after that happened, Wellness, Wellness Natural Pet Foods, rose to the occasion and helped out in a really huge way. What those guys do? The company donating, yeah, nearly 50,000 pounds of pet food. That's 25 tons. Pet food and treats to shelters, including the Companion Animal Alliance of Baton Rouge, which alone, they say, that shelter took in more than 650 animals as a direct result of those floods in Louisiana. A group of animals and people were honored by the ASPCA at the Humane Awards Luncheon, or the HALS, earlier this month in New York City. Following a nationwide public call for nominees, a committee reviewed hundreds of entries, and then they selected winners in eight different categories, including Dog of the Year. And uh, that title, that award, went to Ruthie, who is a golden retriever. And Ruthie has been called to service during some of the nation's most tragic and devastating events, like the Orlando nightclub shooting when the police officers were shot in Dallas earlier this year, the Boston Marathon bombing, the Newtown school shooting, plus uh, natural disasters like tornadoes in Oklahoma and wildfires in California. At those sites... Ruthie has provided relief to both victims and first responders, keeping stress levels down for everyone and providing some much-needed comfort to grief-stricken survivors. Meantime, the Cat of the Year Award went to Blake. Blake is a black cat who lives in Fort Worth, Texas, who was rescued from a shelter by his new dad, who suffers from three serious brain conditions and has daily intense seizures. Now, Blake the cat literally jumped up and down to get this man's attention as he was walking down the aisle of the shelter, and the two bonded immediately. Well, it turns out the man suffered a seizure that very same day that he took Blake home, and Blake reacted by uh, patting his arm and, you know, with his paws, kind of like, hey, hey, you know, I'm Mm -hmm. here. Well, a few days later... Blake proved that he truly understood what was going on when his new dad had a life-threatening seizure while he was sleeping. And Blake, you know, this cat knows, knew that something was going on, and he saved his new dad's life by alerting him with a sharp bite on his toe. (laughs) But it turns out that Blake, you know, has this sixth sense about detecting his new dad's oncoming seizures, and he saves his dad's life on an almost daily basis now. Wow, a seizure cat. I love that. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) Can you imagine walking down the shelter aisle and seeing some cat jumping up and down at you? Crazy, it's man. It's such a good story. I'm Lori Brooks. You can get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update brought to you by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. 
Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at animalradio.com. Log on, learn more. I don't know. It's just the, be- the beginning of December. I don't think we should be drinking the eggnog this early. But I mean, I guess it is after Thanksgiving. And- yeah. Okay. It's oh, time to start. There's more than eggnog yeah. in that cup. Yeah. yeah. I- well, of course there is. <laughs> That's why you have eggnog. <laughs> uh, it is time again for Judy Claus's list of great Christmas or Hanukkah or holiday gifts. I think we should just call it holiday gifts. It's gift guide. Yeah, it's week number two of the 2016 gift guide for the pet lover. There, that kind of encompasses everything. I like that. saying, yeah. So what do you have? And we will have giveaways. We will have giveaways. We're going to start this week with Apollo Peak Cat Wines. Oh, yeah. We've had these guys on the radio. We have. They have the Moscato and the Pinot it, Meow. Moscato. 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 And Pinot Meow. Yes. Which is a, the Pinot Meow is a white wine and the Moscato is a red wine. With a lot of complexities and a rich taste. Yes. Whoops, I got that backwards. The Moscato is white. Pinot <laughs> Meow is red. And it has just a hint of catnip. Yeah, it's, it's infused with catnip. It's infused right? with catnip, yes. I have to tell you, it's not alcoholic. It doesn't mm-hmm. contain grapes. And the way they got the red color was with beets. 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 Cats beets. like beets. The cats like beets. They're healthy for beets. And I have to say, I was a little disappointed. I tried it on my cats, and they just walked away. So they wow, that's so Maybe your cats don't have the catnip gene. I, well, they like catnip toys and the catnip itself. Really? But yeah, so I, I was hoping. I wanted to sit down and have a glass of wine with my cat. But, so uh, one of these things that just really didn't catch the attention of your cats is on your top list of giveaways. It's still, I think it's great. And I think there's cats out there that would love it. So we're going to go ahead and give them away on the condition that you report back and let us know if your cat loved it. I think it's such a cute idea. Well, you know really what it's like really it. cute for is the wine lover. And exactly. Like, here yeah. in California, oh, yeah. everybody likes wine. Yeah, wouldn't that be so cute to give this to a cat lover, a box of the cat wines? I think it's great. Okay, let's go ahead and give away one right now. Toll free at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. And again, under the stipulation that you report back right. on our toll free lines and let us know how your cats did like or did not like the cat wine. There you go. Okay. And by the way, links to all of these gifts over at animalradio.com. Yes, and we'll also have, this is week number two. You also find week number one. I'm going to keep everything up there for the entire four weeks we're doing this giveaway. Okay. The next item we have is the Tall Tales Puppy Gift Set. Now, this is just adorable. This is a whole gift set. It's a starter kit if you get a new puppy for Christmas. It has a little fleece blanket with a little chew toy, and it has a pad that's waterproof. It's just all put together, box set, which is adorable for your new puppy. So if you know somebody who's getting a new puppy, or if you're getting a new puppy, this is the perfect gift set. I like this. Yeah, and from Tall Tales, they also have for the larger dogs. So if you're getting a, a larger dog, you know, a, not, uh. not necessarily a puppy, they have a gift set too for that dog. So if you know someone who's getting a dog for Christmas, they have the perfect box gifts 
gift set which are starter kits for the new dog in your life. And in my hot little hands is a three-piece gift set right now, if you'd like to pick up on it. 1-866-405-8405. This is for a puppy. This One, one's for a puppy, yes. yes so if you know a, someone with a puppy or you have a, a puppy. new puppy, yeah. yeah. Yep. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. The list of all the items, if you missed last week's items, over at animalradio.pet and links to their associated manufacturers over there, too. Okay. Uh, Lucy's crying. Yes, she wants wants that. I I can tell. (laughs) She's not a puppy. Check this out. Um, No, that Hal doesn't like me on my phone while I'm doing animal radio, but I got some some good good things that just came up. It looks like New Jersey is going to ban and fine people who declaw their cats. Well, that is about time, actually. Yeah, I agree. This is news just in, huh? Well, that's good news. How could you not when you know that it's really, you know... Cutting off a, it's horrible. You know, a finger at the knuckle, the same thing. You know what? If you don't want a cat with claws, don't get a cat. Cats come with claws. Dogs come with right. teeth, you know. They need people them. come with vocal cords, and there's yep. a lot of people I'd like to take out their vocal cords. And yeah. We don't do that. Yeah. Decline would be akin to, you know, if you don't want to pick up their poop, just sewing it shut. Yes, or oh, caulking it with crazy glue. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. <laughs> Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. As you know, going to the vet can be a traumatic experience for your pet, but it doesn't have to be that way. In fact, vet visits can be something your pet looks forward to. Introducing Fear Free. When your veterinarian is Fear Free certified, you will be assured your pet's vet visit is more free of fear, anxiety, and stress than ever before. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified, and it puts the treat into treatment. To find a certified Fear Free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at animalradio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. Be that a flamingo, a uh, guinea pig, a cat, a dog, a bird, a horse, a turkey, whatever your pet is. Even if it's a capybara, like it is (laughs) for Jackie Coleman. Ren. Hi, Jackie. How are you doing? Hi, doing very well. How are you? Very good. Now, tell us about your oversized guinea pig. (laughs) Well, Chico is a capybara, as you had said. Um, we got him when he was about 10 days old. He wore, he weighed a little bit over 4.5 pounds. Where did you get him from? I got him from Capivia Exotics outside of Houston. And where, where did he originally come from? Um, his parents, one from the Peru, one from Brazil, and they had gone and actually picked up the parents themselves. So when I went to see Chico as an infant, I was actually able to go into the facility and tour the facility and see the parents and the litters, et cetera. Now, why not a dog or a cat? What what made you go for Chico? Well, <laughs> anybody can have a dog or a cat. And I wanted an animal that basically was going to fit my personality, uh, something that was completely different and something that <laughs> we would be able to teach people about. Um, and he does get quite a few uh, strange stares and everything when we go out and about. I would imagine. A 120-pound guinea pig is what he re- resembles. Yeah. Do you have any other animals in the house? Um, I do have one possum that I've rescued, uh-huh. and uh, people find that quite unusual, but they're very feline. 
like. And uh, we're just more or less trying to educate people that Chico's got such a personality, and it's so unusual even from other capybaras. I mean, he's, he thinks he's one of us. He's just amazing. <laughs> what does he eat? Um, he does graze on grass, hays, things similar to what a horse would because they are herbivores. Um, but he also eats uh, different greens, kale, squash, melons. And, oh, if you don't watch him, he eats your curtains, your comforters, your phone cords. Oh. Yes. <laughs> oh, wow. I just looked Dingo. up Capybara on uh, Wikipedia, and it says it means, it literally means one who eats slender leaves or a grass eater. Yeah, they're also known as uh, king of the uh, grasses. King of the grasses, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you go through a lot of uh, sheets, and uh, I understand there's a jacket that that uh, Chico chewed on and ruined. Oh my goodness, he eats everything. You, you know, a small mouse can do a tremendous tremendous amount of damage when building a nest. Well, he also makes large nests, and I I can't tell you countless mornings that I have been awakened with my arms and my legs trapped within holes in the comforter. <laughs> <laughs> now is he spayed? I mean, excuse yes, me. Is he neutered? neutered recently? Yes, we just recently neutered him. I would imagine that uh, was there. I mean, uh, why? <laughs> well, he, he clicks, and he was showing signs of um, aggression towards my husband. Ah, and so my husband was having difficulties even coming into the house, and it was fine with me. You know. <laughs> <laughs> for me. <laughs> Has that behavior since tempered? Oh, yes. Unfortunately. What? <laughs> so, <laughs> Unless you want to get rid of the husband. <laughs> yeah. How does your husband get along with Chico? Oh, very well. I mean, they're back to being best, best friends, best buddies. They wrestle and play. And I've got several videos on my Facebook page where Chico, you know, will play. He plays like a calf slash dog. He likes to pick up pillows, and he'll throw them in the air, and I even have him jumping off all fours. But what makes him so unique as an animal is that he does have webbed feet, and he does dive underwater and swim with us. um, I was just going to ask you, because they are avid swimmers, do you have a swimming pool for him? Yes, we have an above-ground pool. Um, It's just the the right size to where he can jump over the edge and get in, and he swims with my grandchildren and people who come over. And uh, he tries to get up on the air mattresses and float, but he gets very aggravated because it won't hold his body weight. Aww. So he it holds in them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> so I'm guessing, and this is what I'm taking away from this, if anyone would like a capybara as a pet, you should have uh, concrete furniture is, is what I'm thinking. I, exactly. <laughs> a lot of chewing going on. But they make great pets. You think? Oh, they really do. Oh, he's just—he's brought so much joy to us. He loves to go riding around in the car. But if you see that, for some reason, he has an affinity for blondes. And if you see the blonde-headed lady outside the vehicle, he'll start whistling and chirbling at her, and he gets <laughs> his little feet start dancing on the inside. And I'm like, Chico, please stop. <laughs> what a flirt! Oh Been my there. goodness. <laughs> Even <laughs> now, ferrets have a have an odor about them. Does Chico? Do the capybara? Do they have an odor about them? A scent or something? I'm just kind of well, curious. Well, he had a musky yeah. smell them, similar to what a buck. You know, when they're when they're trailing does in the woods, they'll put out a scent. Uh huh. But ha- since having had him neutered, he doesn't have any scent to him. But they do have a scent gland on the top of their nose as well as on their rear end region, and. Uh, 
he doesn't excrete any smells anymore. So what are you going to get Chico for Christmas? Um, well, every time I give him a stuffed animal, he turns up into his girlfriend. So that seems to make him happy. But <laughs> having had him neutered, I don't know what I'm going to do this year. <laughs> Okay, we'll put links to all of uh, Chico's social media over at AnimalRadio.pet. Thank you so much, Jackie Coleman-Wren, for joining us today. Give Chico a big old hug from all of us, will you? I sure will, and I do appreciate it. I sure have enjoyed it. Keep us up to date. Send pictures. Oh, I sure will. Okay, take care. There you go. Lucy wants to go, so we got to get on out of here. Lucy's the boss. What can I say? Uh, if you need your fix during the week, visit us over at animalradio.pet and, of course, download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android and BlackBerry. We'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye-bye. Goodbye. This is Animal Radio. Network. Network.